I'm going to have uh, Tim and Courtney. Yeah, why don't you guys come on up. Um, Tim and Courtney Chanter, who uh, are our missionaries out in Papua New Guinea. They've been gone for the last three years uh, with their two boys. <clears throat> Came home to have another boy. And now they're going back. Uh, when do you guys leave? Saturday. They leave Saturday for another three years out to the jungle. So, uh, <clears throat> I've asked them to kind of share some prayer requests with us. So. Okay. We want to say thank you so much for keeping us out there the last three years. Uh, we've been in Papua New Guinea. We've done one term, and now we came back for 10 months, had him when we're going back. And God has built a church in Yembe 50 believers strong. And it's his work that we're going back to do, and we have the privilege to do it together. And so over the next three years, one of the goals is to take each of us, myself, Brooks, and Tony, we have our coworkers, and Courtney and the ladies, we each have disciples that we're pouring our lives into with the goal that in three years or however long God wants, these guys will be the next leaders interpreting the scripture the elders according to Titus and Timothy, and hopefully a good portion of the New Testament translated. Um, And so we wanted to share something because the last three years, it was a great three years, but also a tough three years in that there is, in the midst of all this great teaching, there is things that I was doing and that we were having struggles in our marriage. It wasn't one big thing. It was the little things, neglect one week, the next day, translation over, this meeting over, in excess. It never ends. There's so much. And at one point, months later, you stand there, and you're like, what happened? How did we get here? There's brokenness. There's a huge issue. And at that moment, I'm like, what would Francis think if he found out I had these problems right now? <laughs> I'm just like, what would they think that, you know, we're not super Tim and Courtney? The goal for these next three years is not to do them the same as we've done the last three in our marriage. Because no one else can be Courtney's husband. No one else can be the boy's dad. And that's where we want to develop, not develop, but use the same habits we've developed over the last year and continue that over the next three And so that we can, you know, in there say, yeah, our marriage is strong, it's growing. Because if he destroys our marriage and we get taken out, what happens to the church? What happens to the work there? And so it's just seeing this seriousness and being honest with you guys. And if you want to update, you know, the photo, we got a new one out there and you want to pray, we can send you stuff. But that these next three years we're engaged together knowing the tough days ahead, but excited doing to be doing together. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just wanted to say to you guys that I'm very disappointed in you. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I shared with them this morning. I go, you know, I, I, I had to confess to them that I hadn't been faithful praying for them. And I was doing to them what I hate uh, people do to me. Like, a lot of times people go, oh, you know, you guys are fine. Like, there's some extra blessing on us 
because of what we do. And it's like, well, you know, what? It, it's weird. Like, I've known Tim since he was in high school. And I thought, ah, Tim's a good kid. He was a good kid in high school. Then he went off to mission school. Now he's out in the jungle translating the New Testament. What sin can you run into out there? You, you know, that, that you, you know, let, let's be honest. Isn't there a side of you that thinks that way? And that's the same thing people do to me. And I'm going, man, you don't get it. What, what suddenly, because I signed up for this, now all my you know, fleshly desires disappear and, and I have no sin nature left or, or whatever else. But I honestly, I was, con- you know, confessing to them and I, I almost, I, I really did treat them that way and I didn't pray for them as seriously. And and then as, as you know, they shared the other night just about struggles they went through in their own marriage and even thinking about calling it quits, it just, it broke my heart because I just go, man, how, how stupid could I be? I mean, who is Satan going to attack? I mean, seriously, if there's an enemy out there, and here's a couple that, that just has been used to lead 50 people from this tribe to the Lord, people who've never heard about Jesus before, and now he's translating the New Testament into their language, and, and now they're establishing a, a church over the next three years, who is he going to attack? And... And so just, just, just be mindful. You know, a lot of times we put these pictures on our refrigerators and we go, okay, that's cute. I'll remember these missionaries up there. But, you know, I had to confess that there's part of me that assumed that they didn't need as much prayer maybe as others because, again, I lifted you guys up to that level and, and I hate it when people do that to me because I just go, man, I'm just a person and I've got my, my battles every day too and, uh, and we need to be praying for them. And so... As we pray for them, recognize, praise God, some awesome things have been happening out there. But uh, he's just like any of us. Courtney's just like any of you, you know. And now they've got three boys that they're raising out in the jungle while trying to translate the New Testament in their language, while fighting all the demonic uh, stuff that goes on out there. They tell me stories of the belief systems and the witch doctors and all the other stuff that's happening on that island. You go, okay. We gotta get serious about this, really serious about this. And so, would you guys join me in a word of prayer over over Tim and Courtney? Father, thank you for uh, loving Tim and Courtney so much, and being their rock and guiding them through some of the toughest times of their lives. Thank you that they stood strong and stayed faithful. God, right now, I don't even know how to pray for them. I don't understand everything that goes on in the heavenly places. I pray that you would open our our eyes to the things unseen and understand that there's a real battle going on. And it's not just about flesh and blood, but something spiritual and, and how Satan would love to take this young couple down and their boys. And God, as a church body, we just come alongside of them right now and ask for your power. Ask for your supernatural power, your Holy Spirit's power and courage and faith and perseverance and peace. Give them a joy over the next three years. I pray that they really would be a light and that you would establish your church through them in that tribe. Thank you, Father. Thank you for everything you've done in their lives. I thank you that, that it's because you've restored them and you've put your spirit in them that they stand before us today. And you've done a great work. You've started a great work. And I ask that you continue it 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys. If you have your Bibles, excuse me, (coughs) fighting a cold. Anyone else fighting a cold? Just hang out and get sick together. Uh, Turned, uh, (laughs) you know, you start talking, then it starts to cough, and you hold it back, and you go, Um, (coughs) excuse me. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter one. If you have your Bibles, I think I put it on screens. If if you guys could, we stand up and read this. We're just going to read four verses together. But I I would just I I, I do this just to remind us that what we're about to do is not hear a person's opinion and some thoughts that I have from the week. Um, But these are the very words of God that we're about to read, and so just in reverence for that. Let's recognize that these words really did come from God and let's treat them as such and have a reverence for this that we don't have for other people's advice or other people's thoughts because this is coming from God himself. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Father, I pray that you would now open our eyes up to everything these verses scream out to us. May we treat them with honor, not just by understanding them, but but living them out. God bless us. Please bless us this morning. By letting us understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And have a seat. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about Simon Peter. We talked about how he was an apostle. Um, but, but it's interesting because what he says here, he, he, you know, some would say an apostle. Pretty much everyone would say, wow, that's really the highest authority that he, he gives a man here on the earth. He's a sent one, a called one from God himself. And yet the, the interesting thing, as you know, when Peter writes, he doesn't start off and say, I'm an apostle. He goes, I'm a servant. You know how we're really into titles? And if any of you are doctors, you want to make sure people call you doctor. You know, I am Dr. Chan, not Mr., not, you know... I don't just have my master's, Dr. Chan. Um, I'm not, but you know, if I did, I would make you do that. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so beautiful the way Peter starts off. He goes, I'm a servant. First thing you got to know is I'm a servant of God, and that's, that's really all I need. I'm a servant of God, and I, I happen to be an apostle. I happen to be called by God 
to, to be starting the church and, uh, and having this, this great calling. But it's interesting because right after he says that, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. not great? Here he is, this apostle, and the first thing he wants to say is to make sure you understand that you have a faith that's of equal standing as his. It's the first things out of his mouth is first, I'm a servant. And yeah, I'm an apostle, but understand, we're on the same, we're in the same level field right here. You, you and I, we've got an equal, we've got equal status before God. And, and I, I just want us to, to think about that for a second because I gotta ask you, do you really believe that? I mean, I mean, think about these words. Those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. Do you believe? That you have a faith of equal standing as Peter. I mean, imagine if Peter, imagine we could resurrect him and, and, and Peter were standing on the stage right here. You know Peter, walked on water, Peter. That Peter that walked with Jesus. That, that Peter that Jesus used to pen these words. That, that Peter that Jesus used to really help establish his church. And he's standing here. Would you, sitting in your seat, believe that you have equal standing with him? Or isn't there a side of you that goes, well, he's got this super relationship with God. And you guys, we gotta, we gotta end this. We gotta stop thinking that somehow you've gotta end this belief that you're some less loved child of God. Because I, I think a lot of people really believe that. Over the years, I've heard people make statements many, many times where people will go, well, that's you. As I talk about my relationship with God and his faithfulness and his goodness and, and, and man, the, you know, this intimacy I have, with, they, they kind of go, well, that's you. You and you, you got this thing going. Kind of like what I was saying I, I do with Tim sometimes. It's almost like, well, well, that's different. He's a missionary and he was a good kid and he doesn't struggle with this stuff. He's, he's different. And the scripture's going, no, 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 wait a second. This is Peter speaking, okay? And he's saying, look, we've got a faith of equal standing. We've got, we got to quit this, understand, this, this, this mindset that, that I've got something over you, or Tim's got something over you, or Peter's got something over you. Because he himself says, look, we have a faith of equal standing. You know, I, I, I struggle <coughs> With a lot of different things. But one thing that the Lord's blessed me with by his grace. Is I I really believe that passage of scripture. I really could look at Peter and go. It's no different. I'm the same in him. Some of you guys know one of my favorite verses is is James 5.17. Where it says Elijah was a man just like us. Talks about the great Elijah, the prophet, who called down fire from heaven. You know, the one that, that prayed and it didn't rain for three years. And then it says, you know, but he's, he, Elijah was a man just like us. I love that verse. It's, it's just that constant reminder. I, I, I can tell you right now, I honestly believe. You look at Moses, you look at David, you look at Abraham, you look at Paul, Peter, Elijah. And I seriously have a faith that goes, they, they got nothing on me. Seriously, I, I, I do believe that. I do look at my life and go, you know what, God, you could do those things through me if you wanted to. Because I have a faith of equal standing with them. 
But I got to ask you that this morning. Do you believe that about yourself? You got to put aside your feelings and trust the word of God. See, some of you, you know, may go, man, you don't know what I've done in my life or what I haven't done with my life. Well, you got to trust the word of God. And Peter here, he says, you've got a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Why is it a faith of equal standing? It's because of the righteousness that Peter received from Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember what happened on the cross. The Bible says that, that God made him who knew no sin. Okay, Jesus was sinless, right? He's perfect. Jesus is perfectly righteous, no sin. He's just flawless, just, just pure. Nothing, nothing, not an ounce of sin in him. And it says that on that cross, what God did was he turned Jesus into sin. He made him sin. He, he made him sin who knew no sin so that we, we could become the righteousness of Christ through him. We, we changed places. Jesus took all of my garbage on that cross and then I took all of his righteousness. All of it. So we, we so, so, so when God sees me, it's, it's the righteousness of Christ that he sees. You can't get any more righteous than that. That's why, that's why Peter says we're in the same place right now. I mean, Peter, it's not like Peter got Christ's righteousness plus Peter's added to that. And that doesn't really help any. That just screws things up. And that's why he says, do you understand? We're, we're in the same place here. Listen, I know some of you guys have done some things in the past and maybe part of you is going, man, you don't, you don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not as righteous as you. And that's a lie. It's a lie because you don't know all the things that I've done. And it's a lie because the word of God says our righteousness isn't from our efforts and our actions. You gotta trust the word of God. Remember, we stood in reverence for God's word. It's one thing to say that, yeah, I revere these words. It's another thing to believe it in your heart. That as you sit in your seat right now, if you believe that Jesus died on that cross for you, and you really have made a decision to follow him, then you have a faith that's of equal standing as Peter. You are just as righteous as the one who penned these words, Peter himself. You and I are no different because we've all taken on the righteousness of Christ because he took all of our sin upon himself at once. It's a pretty awesome promise. (coughs) And then he says these words, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many of you, I mean, were you, were you just full of grace and peace this week? Was it just multiplied? Could people just see it on your face? Like, man, I don't see anyone with that much peace. Grace and peace multiplied to you. See, this is God's desire for his children. Um, it's, it's funny. Some of you guys know our, our, our third daughter, Ellie, Who's, who's, who's the freak of our family. I mean, she's just 
always laughing, just does goofy things. And I can just stare at her and just laugh, you know. And she loves to laugh. She gets in trouble at school for laughing. And I love that. It's like, yeah, just laugh, you know. Don't let them stop you. You know, just laugh, be goofy. And then she went through this weird phase for like a month or two where she was like normal. And, uh, and Lisa and I are like, man, what's going on with her? And then, you know, last few weeks, it's like, ah, oh, Ellie's back. She's just as goofy as ever. And just, oh man, yesterday morning, I, I was the loudest I'd laughed in so long, just watching her try to catch a ball. It's just, it's just hilarious. And, and, and you know how as parents, you just love seeing your kids that way when they're just free and laughing and ridiculous and no cares in the world, just full of peace and grace. You guys, that's what God wants of his children. He just wants his, his grace and peace all over us. And, and some of us aren't experiencing that. It's not multiplied to us. And here's why. How do you get it? Does God just throw his grace and peace into you? What does it say? Look at the word. Look what it says. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So how do we get this grace and peace? It says you get it through this knowledge of God. Do you understand that? Like the grace and peace, it's not... Some of us try to find grace and peace in other ways. Some of us want God to do something for us, and then we would get this grace and peace. And God's saying, no, don't you understand that this grace and peace is multiplied to you as you know him? And the more you know him, the closer you are to him, the more you'll feel this grace and peace. The more you'll have this in abundance. It's, it's directly tied to knowing him. And I, I believe that there's some of us, and I've struggled with this. When I look at this passage, oh, I really opened my eyes. Just even some things in my own life. Sometimes, sometimes my grace and peace and my joy are directly related to how other people are doing and how they're doing in their walk with the Lord or how ministry is going or, 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 or how, you know, someone in my family is doing. And so when they're down or they're struggling or they're wrestling with their sin, it brings me down and everything. You know, we tie it to these other things like, okay, if that were different, if this person would change, then, then I'd be, you know, full of grace and peace. But what the Bible says is it's not about that. It's kind of like when, when the disciples, you know, were sent out and they came back with joy because the ministry was going so well. Jesus stops them and goes, hey, don't, don't go rejoicing in that. Don't rejoice because ministry's going well because it'll, it'll go poorly sometime. Don't rejoice because, you know, you see some powerful things happen. Rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. Rejoice that, that God knows you because that's the one thing that's stable. I, I mean, as you came in this morning... <coughs> As you came in this morning, if, if I said, look, I'm genie this morning, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you want, you know, anything you want, let's see, you know, trick or treat, here, here you go, what do you, what do you, what do you want? You can have it. God, God will grant you anything you want this morning, anything you want this morning, but you can only name one thing. What's that one thing you would have asked for as you walked in this morning? Think about that. Would you have asked for greater intimacy with him? Believing that greater intimacy with him is the, is the solution to all of your problems. 
Believing that greater intimacy with him, a greater knowledge of him, would lead you to this multiplication of grace and peace. Or honestly, as you came in, were you thinking that it was something else? That if this one thing would get fixed, or this one thing would be changed, that that would lead to this great fulfillment? Or do you really believe that it's this knowledge of God, and this relationship with Him, and this intimacy with Him, that that's the greatest thing you could have on this earth, and all the other ways of chasing this grace and peace and fulfillment in your life, it's just going to frustrate you. Once you get that one thing, it's it's not going to be enough. What Peter's saying is, oh, I just want, you know, God wants, I want for this grace and peace to be multiplied to you, but it comes in knowing God. And so often we look for it in so many other things. But in your heart right now, do you believe that, I mean, think this through. Do you really believe that knowing God more intimately would lead you to greater fulfillment and grace and peace than anything else on this earth? Because if you believe that, you you could have it. If you believe that, then you would spend more time pursuing him and the things of him. You know know how the last few weeks we've had this kind of sub-theme of our busyness and, and trying to just get rid of that and slow down so that. It's not because all these things are bad. It's because it's replacing that time with God where we grow in our knowledge of him. And we grow in this intimacy with him. It's not like I'm against all these other, you know, mecha- you know, people are like, oh, sorry, I emailed you. I know you said we can't email. <laughs> we can't email. I'm just saying, let's just be careful because these things are pulling us away from knowing God better. And as we do that, we're, if, if we get distracted from that, we're going to lose our grace. We're going to lose our peace. I, I, I will. I do want to read one quote to you. Quote of the week. Uh, John Piper from in, in his Twitter account. You guys know what Twitter is? You know, you get the little tweets. You know, it's for those who don't know, it's like... Facebook on steroids, you, you know, you walk around and go, oh, I'm going to the store and you send it to a thousand people and like, oh, cool, John's going to the store, you know, and, uh, and you're keeping up on everyone else's life and, 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 and so, but, but there is a good use of it, you know, and every once in a while you've got this believer that'll just send out a thought, you know, that it gets your mind back on God and, but here's, here's the quote, I don't, I don't have Twitter, someone showed it to me, something that he wrote, quote, One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove on the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. (laughs) Wow. That was my same reaction. Wow. I'm going to read it again. Oh, I love this. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove on the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. It's Pastor John Piper. Now, I don't Facebook, I don't Twitter, but I was still convicted. (coughs) Because I started thinking about the other things I waste my time with. And then say things like, I don't have time to pray. Or my prayer life hasn't been good because of busyness. Because I sure would hate to have a record of all the things my time went into. And I know some of you, you hear that and you think, wow, if they really did keep a log of all the hours I spent on that versus my time with God. 
See, this is, this is what I'm concerned about, guys. It's, it's not that these things are bad or social networking is bad. It's, it's bad because it, anything is bad that keeps us from our time with the Lord, our time in prayer. Because it's our knowledge of him that's going to lead us to grace and peace. God's not saying, hey, get rid of all these other things because I'm against them all. God's just saying, I want you to have grace and peace. And that comes from knowing me. So take some time to know me. Know me. Because the more you know me, the closer we are, the more peace you'll have, the more grace you'll experience. And that's what he wants for his children. That's why I love that. I love that verse. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine nature has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, so if you're living a godly life, why is that? If you're living and you have that relationship, that intimacy with God, why is it? It's not because you were such a great person or, or you earned this somehow. It says that his divine power granted that to you. In fact, I, I love this phrase. He's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God's divine nature has given everyone in this room who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, he's given you everything you need for a godly life. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has given you everything you need for life and godliness? It's in the word of God. So then the question is, If you are not living a godly life, whose fault is that? That's right, your wife. (laughs) Your husband, your kid, your whatever, your pastor. You guys, we, we do this, we blame, don't we? And we say, well, if only my friends that were supposed to hold me accountable, they didn't call me just in time. You guys, I hear the excuses all the time, and I'm going, wait a second, let's stop here. What does the Bible say? God has given you everything, everything you need, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians three. I, I, I want to because I want to point something out to you because this has been a wrestle of mine. Sometimes, um, sometimes I pray to God as though He were stingy. You know, sometimes I pray to God as though He's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to give you power over that sin. I don't know if I really want to hold back some of my power right now. I'm trying to save up for the end times. You know, like, like there's some sort of, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, is he going to give me this? Is he going to give me that? And we talk to him as though we have to talk him into something rather than it being his desire. And he's saying, man, I give you everything. I give you freely. First Corinthians three, verse 21. 
It says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. You know, Paul's saying, man, why are you fighting about, well, I think this guy should lead, I think this guy, I think this, 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 you know, and you're talking about people. He goes, don't you understand? It's not this quarrel over who's better than who. He goes, just, it's all about this God who's given you everything. He's given you life, death, the future. Whatever is his is yours. God, God, I mean, does this sound like a stingy God here? He's saying, no, don't you understand? The, the, the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ. And you're saying, you're a child of God. Everything that's God's is yours. I love how he says in the, in the chapter earlier in, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, he says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, you may think you understand how much God's given you. And he's saying, no, no your, your mind's never even imagined that, that well. You can't imagine what I have in store for you. Isn't that a crazy verse? God goes, I, you have no clue what I have in store for you. No human mind has been able to conceive how great the things are that I'm about to hand to you. He goes, don't you understand? Life, death, everything, I, I, I love you. You're my children. What's mine is yours. I've given that freely to you. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter nine. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. Says this God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Okay, what has God given you? God is able to make all grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency. Do you believe that about yourself? That you have all sufficiency in all things at all times. That's a pretty heavy statement. That you have all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. So whenever we complain of like, well, you know, I didn't have this, I didn't have that. God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. What what does he say? I I gave you everything, everything, everything you could ever need. All things at all times. All sufficiency. So you can abound in every good work. So you believe that again about yourself. So if you are not abounding in good works, whose fault is that? It's not God up in heaven going, well, I just didn't want to give you, you know, too many good works. I didn't, I didn't want to empower you too. You know, no, I give you everything. I give you life, death, whatever is mine is yours. And that's why he's saying here, you know, in Second Peter, man, I've given you everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is God's blessing on us. But again, look at what he says in verse 3. His divine nature has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
who called us to his own glory and excellence. Again, how do you get this? How do you get this all-sufficient, everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him? Man, I can't emphasize it. There he says it again. It's through knowing him. It's this knowledge of God. But, but understand what the word knowledge means because we're not talking about just knowing about him. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say this, but I really want you to get this. It is not enough to know the right things about God. The demons in hell have good theology. They do. They believe the right things about God. They know the right things about God. This is not about you coming in a room and me just telling you true things about God. That's important. That's part of it. But at some point, this is about knowing him. This word, gnosko, we've talked about this many times, is about a relationship. It's about an intimate knowledge. You guys know, in fact, scripture uses the word in in the sense that it says that Cain knew his wife and she bore him a child. So what does know there mean? A little bit more than head knowledge. Okay, I know a lot of you. Okay, but it's, it's just this idea of what do you mean by know here though? It's not knowing about a person. It's not an acquaintance. It's about knowing. That's why in the end, remember in Matthew 7, 21, it says that many are going to come to me and say, man, but I did this, I did that. And what does God say to them? Depart from me. I never knew you. You knew about me. You knew a lot of things about me. You even believed some of these things were true, but did you know me? Was there a relationship there? You see, this grace and peace are multiplied to you as you know him more and more. This is everything that's pertaining to life and godliness. It's given to us as we know him more and more. It's through the knowledge of him, through knowing him. And so I got to ask again, do you, do you love him, the person? This is, this is always what God's wanted. The, the great command, and even in the Old Testament, was not, you shall know the right things about God. It's, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Otherwise, this is a religion to you. And I'm just a guy up here spouting off commands. And that that is not God's desire. And that will get you nowhere. Do you see God as a person? And a person that you love? Do you love Him? Or, Or do you just love the idea of this being... And this power, that's why I I hope you didn't come here this morning to tap into some sort of supernatural power. But you came here because you love a person. It's the person of God. This person who created you and loves you and sent his son to die for you so that you could take on his righteousness and you fall in love with this person And you trust this person and you want to be led by this person. And the more and more you know this person, the more grace and peace you experience in your life. 
And when you're separated from this person because you haven't had the time with this person, it drives you nuts because he's the love of your life. And you just go, man, i got to kick everything else out and get together with this person, the person of God, because I love him. And the more I love him, the more I know him, the more grace and peace are, are, are just thrown at me, multiplied at me. And the more I just see that I have everything I need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him <coughs> who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. He has granted to us his precious, aren't those great words? His precious and very great promises. Did you guys read First Peter over and over a couple weeks ago when I asked you to? Did you, did you meditate? Did you love it? Did you, did you read those promises and go, wow, these are, these are great. This is so precious. One, one, of, my, um, one of my concerns in, in, in churches and with Christians and followers of God is sometimes it appears that over time, the promises get boring to you. You ever met people like that? Where it seems like, yeah, I, I know I'm saved. I know I don't have to go to hell. I know. It's, it's almost like blah, 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 blah. And I don't get that. Because when I read, like, like reading Second Peter, I've read it before. I, I know these promises. But as I read them again, I go, wow, this is awesome. Do you, do you still do that with the Word of God? Like, like I, I've been a Christian almost 30 years from now, and I will tell you, I love the Word of God more than I did when I first believed. I love it more than I did last year. I love His promises. They're more precious to me than they were a couple months ago. Um, every, every time I read, like, I'm going, man, I'm on equal standing with Peter. That's awesome. You know? And, and I think, wow, he's given me everything. Like, I can't even conceive everything he's given to me. I go, man, that's a good promise. These are precious promises. My fear, I, I, I just, I, I, it, it saddens me when the good news becomes old news to you. You know, rather than you getting more and more excited about your salvation all the time. And more and more excited about the precious promises of God. I find people do get bored with God's promises sometimes, and consequently, they get more excited about other things in the world. See, when you're not excited about God, you'll, you'll be really excited about your new job, or about your house, or even about your kids. And you'll, you'll notice that you can even become obsessed with these other things that aren't necessarily bad. But your obsession with those things is a sign of something deeper, a symptom of something deeper, that that fulfillment isn't being met in God. Because there's an old hymn I used to sing. Um, some of you guys probably sang it too. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I, I always remember that phrase because I would have moments where I'd be so close to God and so tight with God. And as I'm in that prayer time and I'm just locked in, and I'm just fellowshipping and enjoying his presence. I think to myself, man, why did I love all that other stuff? Why was I so excited to go surfing the other week? Or why was I so excited about this, 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 this? But, but when you look full in his wonderful face and you're just right there with God, you go, man, everything else seems strangely dim. 
And, and I always remember, man, that's like that song I used to sing. Like, I don't care about anything else right now. I'm not all stressed out. I'm not all, I gotta have this, gotta have this. So I'm just going, I've got this. And everything else really seems dumb right now. Everything that I used to long for and strive after and I gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. That gotta have is the sign, it's a symptom of something else that you're missing this relationship with God. Because when you have it, everything else just seems to dissipate. And there's great and precious promise of God. By which he's granted to us his precious and, and very great promises. Through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. See, it's these promises that through them, it says, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Think about that phrase. This is just loaded, isn't it? Four verses. And and it's saying, partakers of the divine nature. Through the promise, we can become partakers of the divine nature. Okay, when you, you and I are born, we're just born with a human nature. We're just flesh and blood. And then somehow through these promises, because these words aren't ordinary words, through these great promises, we can actually be partakers, not just in our flesh, our, our flesh and blood nature, human nature. He says you can be a partaker. The word is koinonia. It's a fellowship. Somehow, man, look up here. Somehow... Somehow, this isn't just a, a human body up here. Like, it's a weird thought that I'm a partaker of the divine nature. That somehow God is, 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 is in me now. And, and somehow he's empowered me. And, and he and I have this koinonia, this fellowship, this partaking of one another. Like, we're joined together. See, this wasn't true when I was born. This wasn't true through all my life. This became true when I understood his divine promises, his precious promises, and I got it. And I believed it, and I believed in this exchange that could take place, that he would take my sin, and I would take on his righteousness, and then I would take in his spirit. And I become partakers of this divine nature, and that's a great promise. And it says it's through that that I escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So because of that, I can escape. See, is this what you want? Is this what you long for more than anything else? Is this, this fellowship, this partaking of the divine nature? That, and, and, and Because this is what the people in the Bible wanted. You remember like Moses? Moses says, you know what, God, if you don't go with us, I, I want your presence with us. That was, the, that was the idea in Exodus 33. He goes, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Because the greatest blessing I could have is to have God with me. God with us. That was the beauty of Christ coming to the earth. It's like, wow, God is with us? That's insane. See, but some of us have gotten bored of that promise. It's like, yeah, 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 I know. God lives inside of me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, what is that? This is insane. I'm, a, I'm partaking with God. And, and God is not just next to me, but he's actually inside of me. And there's a, there's a fellowship. There's, there's a mending. Uh, there's, a, there's a union with God. A partaker of the divine nature. <coughs> Having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of this sinful desire. And because we're partakers of God, we can escape the corruption of this world. 
See, what His Spirit allows us to do is live in another world. You know how uh, you ever see a person get trapped by sin? It's like a whirlpool, isn't it? Like a vortex. It's, it's, uh, you know how you, you get deeper and deeper and deeper in it and you're just going, man, I can't get out. You know, this is the corruption he's talking about of our sinful desire. You know how you take that first drink and it's like, wow, that feels that little buzz. That feels good. It's like everything is better now. And you take another one and another one. Then pretty soon you get addicted and then pretty soon you're, you're this alcoholic and you're just, you just feel like you got sucked so far down in this whirlpool. You're going, man, how can I get back out of here? You know, you smoke a little pot and it's like, wow, life is so much easier. And you just get sucked deeper and deeper and deeper and you're this addict now. It's like, how do I get out of there? Lust. It's like, wow, you start looking at her and then her and then, and then this one website and this other website and then pretty soon it's like, man, I, I can't get out. You get in this relationship and it goes further and further and further and the longer you stay in it, you just get sucked in. And pretty soon you just feel trapped. And that's the corruption of the sinful world is, yeah, it, it looks really good at first. You know, it's like, ooh, I can do this and it'll make me look better. And, and you get caught in this absorbed and this, 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 this arrogance and this look you got to have. And everything sucks you in down further and further and further. And the Bible says it's somehow... By this partaking of the divine nature, we can escape all of that. You know? And that's why we're in this room. It's because God granted that to some of us. And he put that power in us. And the more we knew him, the more we were able to escape. I'm not saying it's not without effort. Because the next verse says, make every effort. But we'll get to that next week. I just want you to understand that God doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want his kids in bondage trapped, feeling like they can't get out, but it starts with you believing in these promises of God that he's given you everything you need and that there's no temptation that will ever overcome you that, that you can't handle. He'll always give you a way of escape. I mean, the things you're dealing with, other people have dealt with it too and they made it out. Why? By his divine power. Some of you, maybe when I, <coughs> when I talked about knowing God, I'm going to have Jim, the worship team, come up, but honestly, listen to me. Some of you don't need to sing this morning. The worst thing you can do is just sing a few songs right now and, and end the day. Some of you know that you don't know God. You know about Him because maybe you were raised in church and you could quote a bunch of verses, but when you hear me talk about knowing a person, Knowing a nosco, knowing a person, you go, man, I don't have that with God. I just think of him as this being up there that I got to do these things. And you guys, that, that's, that's not scripture. That's not what he wants from you. He wants you to know him. And you can know him today. You can have that exchange of your old self and all that sin and take the righteous. Today, you could walk in here knowing nothing about God and walk out of here being on equal, the same standing as I and having the same faith as Peter and, and everyone else in this room who knows Jesus. Isn't that insane? That you could have a faith of equal standing as ours, just like that, because it's not about us, it's about the righteousness of Jesus. 
And he can put his spirit in you that will help you escape the corruption of the sinful world. You've been trying to find fulfillment and grace and peace and all these other things. And God says it's only going to come through knowledge of God. Knowledge of him. And maybe you came here wanting something else, but maybe God's opened your eyes and you realize, okay, so it's not, it's not money, it's not this relationship, it's not all this other stuff, it's knowing God. Yeah, that's what's going to free you. And that's what's going to give you the peace and the grace that you've been looking for. And so if that's you, um, you can get baptized today and begin this relationship with God. You can pray with someone. We're going to have some prayer, some, some pastors and just some, some, some counselors to pray with you. Maybe some of you say, you know what, I do know God, but I've walked so far away from him and I'm stuck in this sin cycle and I need to escape because I haven't felt that peace and that grace in so long. In fact, let me ask you this. What's that one thing in your life right now that you don't want anyone else in this room knowing about? What is it? What's the one thing in your life you don't want anyone else in this room to know about? You've been living with the shame of that and hiding it. It's kept you from really knowing him and enjoying him. This morning, I would just love for you to get it out and pray with someone and get out of this little whirlpool you've been in and believe, not in me, but in the scriptures and his great promises that you have power over that. You've got everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I'd love for someone to pray with you and remind you of God's promises. So if that's you, you don't need to sing with the rest of us. In fact, it'd be better uh, if, if you just spent some time praying with someone. And you've got a bunch of people here that'll love you, not judge you, because we were all there. Okay? No one's here to judge you. We're here to release you and have you experience the freedom that God wants you to have.